Happy Reformation Day. Some of you are like, what? I'm glad because I can be married. Um, but I'm bumped because if I did this anyway. Uh, there was a guy last night. He was dressed as like a monk. I was like, Father, would you like some candy? Uh, and then I was like, afterwards, I'm like, well, was he Luther? Is it like a Reformation Day thing? Or did he, I think it was just he got a costume somewhere. Uh, anyway, if he'd said something, I would have dropped 95 Reese's. <laughs> uh, in his basket, but he didn't. Um, you know, it was, it was interesting because last night, uh, shout out to all of you who helped out with uh, Trunk Retreat and everything. And we did a lot of prep, kind of fixing the house ahead of time, cleaning up the place. And then shout out to everyone who did Trunk Retreat. We're <laughs> it gets a little bigger every year. And I, people were just really thankful. They were thanking us. Even some of the neighbors I recognize who don't talk to us much. I uh, swung down and hung out a little bit, and that was great, and we hung out, and we did some marshmallows, and, uh, you know, we, we did a, you know, I did a, we did a, the mystery machine, and the Mustang was there, uh, Now it was funny, though, how many people, like, thought it was, like, a raffle, and they could get it, it was, like, hilarious, I, uh, you started, people thought it was, like, really a raffle, I'm like, uh, oh, my gosh, people were like, yeah, how much are the tickets, I'm like, no, it's my car, <laughs> Um, it, it was kind of crazy, and so we did the Scooby-Doo thing, and uh, it was, you know, I brought Loki, uh, some of you, you know, hadn't seen Loki yet, he did Scooby-Doo, we actually sprayed spots on him and everything, I'll tell you, that dog, by the end of the night, was so tired, I mean, we got home, like, he didn't even get up when we, like, got near a door, usually you get anywhere in the door, he's up, this morning I got up, and he was so tired, like, he usually gets up with me really, really early. He did not get up with me really, really early. He slept into like nine o'clock or something. I mean, that dog usually gets up with me at four thirty or five, you know, because I'm, I'm a morning guy. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was interesting because you know, he was just tired. He collapsed. He was just out cold, and I, I, I really, I kind of understand that because I understand tired. And now I occasionally go on YouTube for things and to look at things. Anyone YouTube? Do you get the ad for the vacation home? Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know if it's something I'm searching for, uh, for which I'm searching. Sorry, I want, don't want to end a sentence with a preposition. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's, you know, but I keep getting like vacation homes advertised to me. And I tell you, it looks so great. You know, I, like I, I want to go on vacation. I understand, you know, wanting rest. And so today is sort of part two from last week because, uh, you know, we're going to look at what it is for this continued promise of rest for God's people. Now, the tough thing when you're, when you're preaching through books of the Bible, we preach through books of the Bible because we love the Bible. We want to know what's in it. A lot of times we treat the Bible like a software agreement. You click OK, I believe it, but you don't know what's in it. <laughs> and so that's why we, we teach through. And so sometimes you teach sections that are hard, too. Like, it's funny because I really, you know, usually when I'm preaching a book of the Bible, a lot of, most times I just feel like I'm supposed to preach Hebrews or I'm supposed to do First and Second Peters. And it's just, uh, for, uh, you know, so it's like I just kind of feel led. And then you get into it sometimes and you're like, man, there's some tough things in here. <laughs> or, or this is like, and so we're in Hebrews. It, it's sort of this tough thing. It's really a continued argument. And I, now, if you don't know how the Bible's arranged and structured, I didn't when I was younger. I just started like reading it. I'm just like, again, I started in Genesis because I was like, okay, that's the beginning of the book, right? <laughs> you know, and you kind of picture, you know, maybe Paul's writing or some, you know, the author of Hebrews is writing and they finish chapter three and they like draw a big four and, and start the next thing, but they don't. 
And so sometimes you can kind of miss that chapter 3 and chapter 4 are really kind of all part of one big argument here. And so kind of if you, I'll try not to repeat myself, but last week's sermon would have helped you kind of, kind of come into this one. So if it sounds similar, we're talking about rest, that's because we're, we're, this is kind of like part two. So this is like a week, instead of being eight, we could say it's like seven B, but we're going to say eight. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a lot of weeks to get through Hebrews at this rate, isn't it? Uh, but there's lots of good stuff in there. Anyway, so jumping into Hebrews chapter four, starting verse one says, it says this, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. And again, that's the whole last week we talked about, you know, the, the people coming into God's rest in the promised land. So we ought to tremble with fear with, that some of you might fail to experience. So still stands. Uh, one translator actually, I was reading a commentary and he, his translation was, uh, it may, another translation say this, but it's like one translator said it's left open. And really, it's kind of like the door is still open. So there is the opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, this offer to have rest is open. The, the door is open. You know, and the author's big concern here is, are you going to miss out? Uh, you know, you, and God is patient with us. Now, last night after Trunk or Treat, some of us stayed and we roasted some marshmallows and I'm convinced there's two types of people with marshmallows. And some of you knew this was coming because you were there last night. There's two types of people who I'm convinced with marshmallows. There's the patient and the impatient. The impatient tend to just burn their marshmallows, set it on fire like a torch. Who's here, who's here a burnt marshmallow person? All right. I'm the patient person. I like carefully get it to 137 degrees. I have a, no, I don't know how, but I like patiently do it. You know, they get a little impatient, maybe a little too close to the fire, but toasting it perfectly. And then you kind of, you mix the chocolate in the right proportions on the graham cracker and everything. And I make a very, because I really, I think food's important. And you know, uh, if you're going to enjoy food, do it right. Anyway, so there's the patient people, the impatient. Uh, God is patient with us. Just like you should be with your marshmallows. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, for, for the, uh, verse 2 says this. For this good news that God has prepared rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe may enter his rest... As, the, uh, as for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. And so we need to hear and act, not just hear. Because a lot of us, we come, we hear. You hear in church. You hear things I say. You hear things other people say. You, you, can, you can hear the word of God, but there's this acting on it uh, that, that, you know, if you, if you have true faith, you're going to act on it. Uh, last week, we talked about, a lot of times people talk about uh, faith, and they say the greatest distance it is between like the head and the heart. Anyone ever hear that old adage? It's an old preacher adage. I didn't come up with it. Um, <laughs> it's one of those like there's all like, kind of like the therefore thing. What's the therefore? You know, it's it's everywhere. It's you know, and it, I don't know who originally came up with the idea. There is this great distance because you can you can think something, you can believe something, you can read something, you can know something, but to really put it in your heart so that that it's it really 
comes to, to be something different, it, it is hard. And then I think also the, the greatest distance is to the hands and to the feet, but we're not going to have too many things in here. <laughs> but the idea is, you know, you, you walk differently, you live differently, you do the things that God wants you to do differently because of your faith. And, and that's you know, really what the author here is looking at, is like, faith should change how you live. Verse 4. But we know it is, <laughs> it is ready because of the place of, in scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And today, we talked about this last week too, not tomorrow, door is open. Uh, and verse 8, now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is this special rest waiting for the people of God. Now I know this is like a complicated argument, and I've lost some of you already, right? Like to be honest, anyone? Like it's a lot. No, we're good. Okay, you guys are track. You guys are like Bible scholars. I, you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, but you know, uh, Joshua brought the people ultimately into the promised land. Moses brought them into the desert. Joshua brings them into the promised land. We talked about him last week. And that's this type of rest, but it's not God's final rest. Uh, and, and so there was the promised land, but the ultimate rest uh, still awaits us. Now, in the Bible, if, if, you, if you read prophecies and different things, there's sort of this, uh, there's a partial fulfillment that ultimately finds a complete fulfillment later. And so uh, a lot of things happen about, so for instance, like Passover, you know, we talked about Passover uh, when we talk about communion. And, and so Passover, it's this feast to celebrate the, the blood of the lamb was put on the door and then, uh, and then the, you know, the angel of death passed over and, and that's why it's called Passover. It's not, you know, some clever, it's <laughs> just kind of mushing of words together there. And, and so we celebrate and that in the Old Testament, Jesus, though, he gives it new meaning, right? He goes, hey, you know, the, you know, John, as John says, you know, behold, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. <laughs> you know, and so Jesus is ultimately, you know, the ultimate Passover. And that's what we celebrate when we take communion, is we're celebrating that Jesus is the fulfillment of these things. Uh, and so there's, you know, fulfillment then and later, ultimately, in Christ. It's, verse 10 says this, For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Now, it's sort of, the, again, this is a big theological argument that the author of Hebrews is making. It's really, it's really, it's funny to, the interesting thing about Hebrews, and one of the things I love about my job is studying the Bible, because, you know, <laughs> I, I'd read Hebrews a bunch, but, you know, you study it differently when you have to preach it and teach it. And there's all, all these kind of theological things he's pulling in here. And, and really, yeah, the idea of, you know, God's rest on the seventh day, and, and maybe you've heard this whole, you know, the Genesis narrative, the story, you know, God rested on the seventh day, and then God institutes something called the, the Sabbath, you know, it's, it's one of those Ten Commandments here, and uh, so you read it out of Exodus, because it mentions Genesis 2, it says this, remember to keep the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested 
And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So the Sabbath. Now, for most, that was like originally Saturday. Like, and I remember becoming a believer, and I'm like, okay, so if the Sabbath is Saturday, why do we celebrate it? Did anyone ever have that question? You know, like, okay. But basically it becomes, because Jesus rose on the seventh day, uh, well, on, he wrote, yeah, anyway, he rose on third day, he, he, he's on Sunday, and so we, we celebrate, we kind of shifted it to, to, to that uh, because of the resurrection day. And, and you know, it's funny thing about the Sabbath is sort of, an, we're going to talk about this, like a little side for a moment on, on what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is one of those commandments that if you break, you don't feel bad about, right? Like if you murder, like that's like a real short commandment, don't murder. And we're like, oh no, I murdered people. You know, hopefully you feel bad about that. <laughs> and you know, Jesus ups the ante a little bit on it. Uh, you know, adultery, you feel bad. But people aren't just like, I have people come, and we're talking about this in men's group, people come often to my office like to confess to me. Like somehow, like they, I think that sometimes they just want to get it off their chest. They're like, they'll, they'll like be confessing something. And sometimes it's awkward. I'm going to write a book. Don't worry, I won't name your names. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to wait till like I'm, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I probably won't really write a book. But it's like the crazy things people come and tell you. I, you know, you murder someone, you might come and tell me. You, adultery, you might come and tell me. And, and a lot of these things I got to report, just to tell you. I'm not like a confessional priest or anything. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, you know, people never come to me and, Pastor, I broke the Sabbath. Yeah, it's like you and everyone else, right? <laughs> um, you know, and some of you are old enough to remember blue laws. Some of you are old, uh, you're like, what is a blue law? It was like, there was like things you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. Like everyone was like Chick-fil-A back in the day. Everyone was closed. And I remember I worked with a guy, and I, I've told this story before, but I always thought it was funny because, you know, I, was, I worked with this guy when I was studying to be a chemist and everything, and the guy was like, he's like, every, he's, he hated the, I, don't, I think they sell alcohol in Delaware now, do they do that? I don't know. On Sunday, you couldn't buy it for a long time, and it was like, he's like, I hate that. Every Sunday, I have to drive out to Marydale to buy it, and I'm thinking, you know, you have one of two problems. You either have a planning problem or a drinking problem. I can help you with either, but, you know, <laughs> And he was like, yeah, I see the same people there every week. And I'm like, yeah, again, there's a problem. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but you know, it's one of those, like, we don't really have it, but we don't feel guilty about it. But, <laughs> but really, it, it's really kind of the thou shalt take a day off, uh, if we can paraphrase it. And it's kind of surprising for us to make the Big Ten. But in a culture that barely had enough to eat, it really seemed crazy to take, take a day off. You know, we all want to take a day off. You know, it was more of a, a stress and a struggle for them. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it says this, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. Now, it wasn't that God was exhausted. Like God's like, oh, six days, made all a bunch of stuff, I'm tired. <laughs> but but it was it was this completion. It doesn't he doesn't collapse on the couch after a hard day like some of us. You know, like God came home. And just, oh man, you wouldn't believe the week I've had. <laughs> but but it's really in a nutshell, it gives us this rhythm, and point us ultimately to our need for rest. Because you know, if if I work seven days a week, which, uh, honestly, it's one of my sins, and I could gladly share that one with you, because you just, you're like, yeah, Jeff works hard, <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, it, it's a struggle sometimes to rest, you know, but we need that rest, and I, I think sometimes even our bodies getting old and tired point us to the fact that we need the ultimate rest, uh, and, and the rest isn't just, you know, getting a nap, 
which I would love, but I got a meeting right now on Sundays at 2. I'm, I'm not able to get my nap. I do doze off sometimes before my Zoom meeting. It's a terrible thing to miss a Sunday nap. Can I get an amen? <laughs> um, Jesus napped. It's in the Bible. Check it out. It's in, it's in, it's in the gospel, sir. Um, but, but, you know, <laughs> you know, Sabbath is for a rest, and we live in a society where we don't use all our vacation days, and we answer email on vacation. We substitute energy drinks and caffeine for rest. Uh, it's to the point where even secular people, like non-religious people, like, we need a day off. But, but you know, again, it, it's not, that, it's not a, just about our physical body. It, it's pointing us to, ultimately, we need rest in God. Um, and the present concern here is God ultimately gives us true rest when we reach eternal life. Now, Jesus gives us rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all your weary and heavy burden, uh, with, <laughs> carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You know, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, the burden I give you is light. Uh, and, and so Jesus' yoke, it's just uh, that we could jump into that passage some other time, but it, it is teaching his way of living. Uh, you know, uh, and, and you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I think when we think of, you know, uh, you know we, we sort of, everyone, anyone play Monopoly? I like it, and I've told you, we've had games that span years, which is funny because our kids realized the bad decisions they made earlier, because like some of our games spanned several years, because we'd only play like Sunday afternoon after my nap, which didn't give us a lot of time, you know, and they're like, this isn't fair, I was nine when I chose that, and it was bad choices, I'm like, well, learn to live with it, (laughs) dad shall rule all, (laughs) we'll play now, they'll probably beat me. But, you know, kind of like in Monopoly, you get like the, the, you know, I I like the the get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, okay, what are the jail rules? Can you collect rent when you're in jail? You can. You didn't know that, did you? Because we always played you couldn't do it, so you'd like try to get out of jail, so you were happy you had the get-out-of-jail-free card because you like to roll, try to get out and everything, you know, or you pay, and it's like you don't have a lot of money. But you you love that get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Because you're like, yeah, whoo! And I think a lot of times we treat faith like that. Like Jesus is our, our get out of hell free card. Uh, and we're just, you know, happy that, you know, hey, we're not going to hell. Now that's a good thing. Like not going to hell is a is definite, definite benefit. <laughs> but, but it's also rest now. It, it, it's this different way of living. Uh, and this different way of life. And knowing Jesus had made my life different. You know, it was funny. We were talking earlier. Um, I was going to be a chemist. My, my job is slightly different now. Now, it, it is advantageous. I was reading a, a, a story, you know, an article. Uh, many of you probably read it on the, the different ways they, they manufacture meth and everything. Um, not that I'm manufacturing meth or anything, but it was just, you know, the addiction problems and some of the things that are caused by it. And I could read the article and understand it. But for the most part, I don't do a lot of uh, my, my chemistry anymore. Although, uh, Denise and I have chemistry. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Got to throw some out there because, you know, I love that girl. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's ultimately, it, you know, it's made a difference in my, in my life because I, 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 I live differently because of it. I'm a different kind of husband because I love Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm a different kind of dad. Not perfect, but, you know, definitely better dad than Jesus. Um, my life would be somewhat different. You know, his yoke is a better way of living. His yoke is a better way of parenting, being a husband. It, it, you know, and Jesus gives us peace now and for eternity. Now, um, uh, 
Augustine uh, of Hippo, and I, I couldn't think of, uh, you know, I couldn't help but think of hippopotamus. I mean, I, and then I'm, I'm thinking Germany, those of you who fly and get the hippos, I love you. Uh, if, you've, if you've never had the German hippos, the kinder whatever thing, oh my gosh, those things are, uh, I, you know, you should join the military just for hippos. That should be like in the recruiting brochure, you get hippos. Uh, anyway, so Augustine of Hippo, <laughs> um, it, it, he said this, he said, our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. And, and ultimately, you know, Jesus gives you rest in, in this life. Uh, now, this week I did a funeral you know, it's funny because I always wonder when people see me in a suit, are they going to ask, you know, did someone die or get married? But uh, so I had to go to a couple things in a suit, and it was interesting. And now I, I read this scripture <laughs> um, in the funeral, which is sort of a typical one for funerals. You know, John, John 14 says this, in, starting in verse 2, There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I, I will come and get you so that you always be with me where I am. Now, now, pr perhaps a more familiar way of saying that for some of you is, in my father's house, there are many rooms. Maybe, I, I, I don't know what the, I think, does the King James use like mansions, I think? Or New, I don't know what the New King James uses, but, you know, the, 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 basically, there's a lot of space in God's house. And I remember there was, do you guys remember the song? It was a uh, big, big house with lots and lots of room. Okay, some of you don't know that song. It was a cool song. Uh, can't remember the name of the band right now. Somebody remembers it? Audio Adrenaline, Audio Adrenaline yes. <laughs> People in the back, off to the side, they know that song. Uh, big point is, you know, God's got space for you. He's got this big house. And that's the part of the promise of when we come to faith, is that in the end, God's got a space for you. Now, anyone ever do sleepovers in there a little? You know, it's like, you know, sleepovers were interesting because you never kind of knew what you got. <laughs> like, you know, certain friends, it was like fun to sleep at their house. Certain ones are a little weird things too. But, <laughs> you know, you go, go to someone's else, other's house. Have you ever like, like they have cooler video games? Yeah, you're like, this is awesome. Like you, things you didn't have. Or like, you know, you, you go to their house and they got more cable channels than you did. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's cartoons besides Saturday morning between you know seven and eight thirty you know or whatever they were on because it just seemed like it was that's probably why i get up early because the cartoons were only on early you know if you wanted inspector gadget you had to get up early um some of you don't know <laughs> uh maybe they had cool toys you know anyway uh see god's inviting us to this ultimate sleepover it, it, it's this better house it, it's this better place and god has prepared a place for us to rest and I think one of the advantages of growing old is I, I crave that rest. I, I think God made our, our bodies the way it is. They are, they kind of, they fall apart, they get a little older, you know, you lose a little up top things. Uh, anyway, some of you don't understand, some of you will. <laughs> it points us to that ultimately we need rest. And the only rest we'll find is in him. Uh, it says, verse 11 says, so let us do our best to enter that rest, but if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Now, do our best, uh, underlying Greek verb is kind of interesting, but it can be translated, work hard, apply oneself diligently, do one's best. Um, and, and here's the thing, and this is always this constant tension, because faith isn't based on works, right? Jesus on the cross, he said, it is finished. That meant it was finished. I don't have extra steps. I don't have, you know, 
Jesus plus this. I don't have Jesus plus that. I don't have, I got to do this, this, and this, and you have to do this and that. And then, and like a lot of religions and even like Christian faiths pick up all this extra stuff. All right, you can, you can have your extra stuff. I got my Jesus. So I'm going to skip ahead of the line because <laughs> I got Jesus. Jesus said it is finished. But there's a difference between working from your salvation and working for your salvation. Be, because because I'm made right with Christ, I live differently, right? Uh, you, know, it, you know, it's Ephesians 2. I often quote Ephesians 2.10. Can anyone say it? For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. If you come regularly, you will hear me quote those words because, you know, I just, I, I love it. I, you know, we're God's workmanship. We're his masterpiece. If you look at the, it's just this beautiful verse. But before that, it says, back to verse eight, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this as a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that no one else can boast. So it's by grace, but then we get a job. We, we get this new way of living, this new way of life. And, and you know, uh, this guy named Dallas Willard, who most of you don't know, and don't think of like Texas, don't think of the Cowboys if you hate the Cowboys. Uh, it's like America, I guess it's supposed to be America's team, but it's like it's also America's team that people love to hate. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I haven't been watching football this year, uh, not because of any political statement or anything. I just haven't had a chance. By the time I get home on Sundays, I'm exhausted. Uh, and the Steelers weren't doing too well, so it was like not a good year for watching football. It was. Steeler love. We got some Steeler fans here. <laughs> Palamaloo. Anyway, uh, you know, he says this, though. He says, the path of spiritual growth, the path of spiritual growth and the riches of Christ is not a passive one. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. You've never seen people more active than those who have been set on fire by the grace of God. Think about it. And he mentions Paul. He says, Paul, who perhaps understood grace better than any mere human being. Like, right. I mean, you read Paul's letter. Like, he writes this thing called the New Testament, a lot of it. <laughs> um, although I, you could argue that Luke wrote more because he wrote Luke and Acts. But that's a whole other thing. But, you know, Paul definitely wrote more books. <laughs> and you just, you see the grace of God, right? <laughs> and it's this, uh, understood uh who perhaps understood grace better than any other human being, looked back at what had happened to him and said, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me uh, did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. And so Paul worked hard, but it was because of God's grace. Um, true faith and understanding of what God will send us into action. Grace is, again, the definition would be unmerited favor. And, and so it's by faith, by trusting in God. I have this I receive this grace, but it's not because of anything I do. It's not even because of my faith. It's just purely by God's grace. Um, but because we work hard, because we're loved, not to be loved. Now, I often say, I think the men hate this, because then they got to do it too. Because I, I don't have to look, I don't have to be a great husband, I just have to look better than you. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I often load the dishwasher. I love it when my my wife sends me a little like emoji because I, I did the dishwasher that morning. It's not because I want her to love me, but it's because I love her. You, you act differently. And because of the grace of God in us, we live differently. We act differently. You know, it's just, you know, if we disobey a God. Now, warning, <laughs> you know, it's, you know we, we can say we love or follow God. <laughs> it's easy to do, but we can't say we love and follow God and then do the opposite of what he's 
told us to do and how we, he's told us to live. Now, it doesn't, we all have little struggles, right? Like, we often talk about that in the men's group because it's like we have the ideal of how we're supposed to live, and sometimes we fall short of it. I, I can tell the women that because you know it. Because <laughs> we, we fail occasionally. I mean, uh, the rest of you do. I don't. You know, my kids and my wife will tell you I'm perfect in this. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you money if you tell them that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we all fail. But, but ultimately, we're supposed to live differently. Now, Matthew 7, 21, you know, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will uh, uh, of my Father in heaven. Or, you know, and then skipping down verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching follows wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And we, again, we, we use these verses a lot. We talk about it. You know, you have to live differently because you're a believer and a follower of Jesus. And a lot, a lot of times we, we kind of shortchange that. We miss that out. But we, we should live differently. You, so you need to hear the words of Jesus, follow the words of Jesus. Uh, and that's why I find the Sermon on the Mount really convicting because it's like the boiled down teaching of Jesus there. <laughs> and, and it's hard sometimes to live up to that, right? But it, it, it's what he teaches. If you, if, you did, if you read nothing else, if you struggle with the Bible, just read the Sermon on the Mount once a week. It, it, it'll change the way you think and the way you act and the way you live, if you let it. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is active, this is going to sound, this is gonna, you guys are going to know this first. If you, you don't know anything else in Hebrews, if you've been around church for a while, you know, if you know how, when to say amen, <laughs> uh, you're going to know this one. This is like, this is one of those plaque verses, it, it's, you know, it's an Instagram verse, it's, it's something you, you cross-stitch in things if you're into cross-stitching. I don't know why it's called cross-stitching. Is it Jesus-y? Because it's cross-stitching. I don't know. Maybe you cross things. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it says this, uh, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. That's pretty sharp, right? <laughs> it exposes our inmost innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Now, it, it's funny because it almost feels like this doesn't fit with the previous passage, right? Like it just kind of we're talking about all this, like, you know, rest, 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 and then, boom, God's word's like a laser. Because that's, I mean, if, we, if, if he wrote it today, the author of Hebrews would probably say laser. I don't know. Because, you know, that was like kind of the sharp thing in the day. You know, <laughs> this, uh, lasers are pretty sharp now. Uh, yeah, it, but the idea is, you know, he's been breaking down scripture, pointing to the truth, and ultimately it, it's the word of God that kind of does the work. Um, I like this commentator said this, God's word is a word of promise to those who would enter God's rest, but it is also a discerning word of judgment. Because, you know, there's nothing like <laughs> the word of God. Uh, now, we have bushes out here, and we have bushes out here, you know, and some of you, and we, we actually, it's funny, we cut the roses down because we were rebuilding the ramp, and it was like, it was like, oh, we got we to gotta cut these roses down. Like, it's sorry, we're going to lose them all, but we really needed to kind of make space and, you know, to be, in order to be able to build the ramp. And we were tired of getting, like, cut up trying to build the ramp and everything. Anyway, so we pruned back, and a lot of dead stuff, extra stuff, waste. Have you seen them, though? They grew back. They're actually cooler and prettier. 
<laughs> and like bushes are that way because you, you have to cut out the dead stuff, right? Like over here on the side, I cut out dead stuff and it allows the rest to grow. It's a, the word of God is like a pruning thing. <laughs> you cut out the dead stuff, it makes room for life. You know, it says here, you know, you're naked and exposed. Now, you'll likely get that metaphor without me explaining it, right? I don't have to go into what that means. But here's the thing. Big point is, you ain't hiding nothing, right? <laughs> uh, you know, you know. Here, I have to, I have to do it aside before I go into something because body positive, however you are, however you look, whatever you, you know, that it's a okay. <laughs> but <laughs> a lot of us, what we perceive as flaws within our body, we try to hide, right? Any, anyone ever, you know, you get a picture. What's the first thing you look at? Oh, did I pull my gut in? Did I, is I okay? My good side? You know, I don't know. All these things. And, and you know, it, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, we Photoshop our pictures. We add filters until people are unrecognizable. You ever meet someone that friended you on Facebook and you don't recognize them in person when you meet them? I've done that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Like, you look completely different. Uh, it was funny because last night we, were, we went online. At least I did. I was going on my phone. I was tired. We are waiting for the kids all to be home and everything. And it's Because like, you know your parents, you can't go to sleep till the kids are back. You know what I mean? And like I was going through and I was looking at um, kind of my, my feed on Facebook. And I was looking at all these different people's costumes. I was trying to look at some of the pictures people posted of the things that we did for, for Trunk or Treat and everything. And I saw this kid I'd worked, I, I still call him a kid. He's like a man now. He's probably 35 or 40 years old. But you know, when, it, when I remember when he was a kid in high school and like I, we worked with him in, in, in Maine. And um, his costume was like, you know, he had his, I think it's his fiance maybe his wife, but he, you know, she had the hashtag filter sign, and then he put a blonde wig on, and he has a beard, and it was like, hashtag no filter. <laughs> uh, and it, 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 I literally laughed out loud last night, uh, and the idea, you know, you have all these filters and things you can put on things, and sometimes we, we think that's going to sort of hide how we look, because we, you know, but here, but before God, we can't Photoshop our lives so that God doesn't see something. You, you can't throw on a filter so that, that God misses the way you really are. And, and the Word of God is something different because when I read it, if you allow it to, it'll cut you like nothing else. But sometimes you've got to be pruned back so you can heal. i got a ton of books. You go into my office, it's so bad now, they're stacked next to the bookshelves. And it's ridiculous. And I want to get a library, you know, I want, I'm trying to check it out apps so I can like put them all in there in card catalogs so I can remember what I have. I would love a card catalog. I'm old school. Like I'm officially an old man. I want a card catalog with, well, let me see, you know. Uh, some of you don't even know what a card catalog was. It was this big thing and there were cards and you, you can buy like replicas on Amazon now. Um, Anyway, <laughs> you know, we can't add a filter to cover our sin, but God, there's something about the Bible, and, and again, I used the quote last week, when, uh, when we read the Bible, the Bible reads us. There's something different about it. Like, I've never read Plato, not Play-Doh, but Plato, and been like convicted of my sin, right? Like, I, I've never, uh, you know, I like Don Quixote, I like little Cervantes, anyone? couple people over here. People in the back row have no idea what we're talking about. It's windmills. Anyway, <laughs> it, it's a great book. It's cool. But I've never like felt convicted of my sin reading Cervantes, right? 
Like there's something different about the Bible. If you allow it into your life, if you read it, it'll change you. Because when I read it, I, I'm convicted. I see my sin. I see the ways I've wronged others. I see the ways I'm inconsistent in my faith. I see the, way, uh, the ways I, that I don't think like God thinks. You know, but this, again, this isn't to bring condemnation. It's to bring repentance. Because God ultimately wants us to enter his rest. And so when I read the Bible with an open, humble heart, I'm encouraged. I see the way God loves me. I see the way God calls me to himself. I see the way God, you know, that God calls me to be a part of what he's doing in the world. Um, we can know God's peace is rest, but we often choose to chase other things. Now, this week, Loki, so we got met him, great dog. Well, he's just a dog, and he's awesome. He's got his flaws, but I, yeah, I just, you know, I love that dog. It was, we saw him, like, on the, like, he's a rescue, so you, like, we were looking at the website, and we're like, I gotta go see that dog, and, you know, we didn't realize you go home with the dog, like, immediately. Like, we thought there was, like, a process. Anyone else thought there was, like, okay, you all do. We, we didn't know. So we go, they, they shove this dog on us. We got this dog. Now, <laughs> he's got some problems. <laughs> he's my dog, but he's got some problems, you know. And uh, anyway, so we, you know, we can't really let him roam freely right now because he has trouble staying where he's supposed to be. You know, he runs up the road. He runs into traffic and, you know, uh, and so to keep him from running into traffic, we put a leash on him and we had, we had this thing tied up. Actually, I finally got it out of my front yard. I had a giant log left over from the tornado <laughs> and I put like an eyelet on there and, you know, he still, he drug it around the yard. <laughs> oh my gosh, love that dog. Anyway, but, you know, so Denise goes out this week and she, um, Loki is running to the end of his leash, trying to go after everything, not coming to Denise. You know, because he's just, he's a dog, and he's like crazy. And he's, that's why he's called Loki. But, you know, the funny thing is, Denise was calling him because she wanted to clip the leash on him and bring him all the other places he likes to go, right? Because, you know, we'll walk him into the Christmas trees. There are all kinds of things he could smell, all kinds of things he could. But, you know, he's, he's like fighting because he wants to go further on this leash that's keeping him out of danger instead of coming back to the one who calls him clipping him on, and gets to go all the places. But that's how we are. We, we will chase after sin. We will chase after things that will harm us. But, but God's calling us into this relationship with him. He's calling us in, so that he wants to bring us places that are good for us. But, but we fight him on it. Um, you know, and earlier it said today, you know, it's, you know, there's nothing like when you're hungry and you, like, you can't find a restaurant that's open. Anyone? Or like you're traveling, like COVID made it weird. Like you're like, okay, it's six o'clock, everything's closed. Uh, you know, some of you are like, uh, we, we were, <laughs> we moved from Southern California to Northern New England. And I remember one of the first nights, like we were used to like 11 o'clock, let's go out to eat, you know? Like we were used to like, you know, and this was before Google. That's how old we are. Uh, and so I remember one night, Denise and I, we go out one night. We're like, yeah, let's grab something to eat. And so we're in this town we lived in. And we're like, we couldn't find anything open. And we couldn't have Google to Google anything. So we didn't know. We ended up eating at a Taco Bell in a gas station. There's nothing sadder, I'm sorry, <laughs> than two people who are used to like really good, you know, Mexican food in California eating uh, Taco Bell in a gas station. Now, I love Taco Bell. Don't get me wrong. It is what it is, but I love it. <laughs> but eating it in a gas station was not my idea of a great time. Uh, <laughs> so that, you know, 
when you when there's a restaurant open, you have to go when it's open, right? And you can be exciting when you're looking for something and you don't want to eat Taco Bell in a gas station. The, the, the open the open restaurant, you go. But here's the thing: eventually, that light goes off. Eventually, the door closes. And with all of us, you know, if you haven't made a commitment to following Jesus, you know, God is calling you to His rest, but that door's not always open. At some point, it closes. I do a lot of funerals. You know, I can't tell you at that moment, sometimes, because sometimes I, I do funerals for people I don't even know, you know, it's like I can't tell you if they walk through that door or not. But I can tell you right now, you have that decision. Are you going to walk through that door or not? Are you going to take God's invitation to rest, or are you going to leave it on the table? Um, you know, and it, even those of us who have made the commitment to following Christ, sometimes we're not following close enough, right? We kind of get sidetracked. We end up in places we, we shouldn't be. You know, and if you're convicted, you know, let God laser cut things in your, out of your life. You know, live the life you're called to live because ultimately it's more restful. The way I live life now is not how I pictured it when I was, you know, 18. But I'll tell you, I have a lot more rest and peace. I may not have everything I thought. I may not have the career I pictured, but I have rest. I, ha I have peace. You know, um, now I don't know what your picture of rest is. I, I think, you know, I was trying to picture, you know, what, what is rest to you? Some of you, it's like cabin in the woods. Anyone? Or maybe day at the beach. You know, for me, like, the best rest I had this summer was um, I took a solo bike ride down Route 1, and I got completely, I went a little further than I meant to, and I definitely, that last mile, I was glad some stranger let me tuck in behind him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I kind of pulled it into Dewey again. And then I went and met the kids, the wife, and I was absolutely exhausted. But I tell you, after being exhausted, that was rest. I'm chilling on the beach. It's sunny outside. That's kind of how I picture rest, that kind of a thing. So I don't know what your thing is, or maybe it's like sit after, sit, you know, laying down at the uh, fire after splitting wood all day, because I know that's what most of you do. Um, the, okay, these are the things I have. <laughs> I don't know what your, your, what your idea is, but all of these, you know, re it's really, it, it's a lot like ult our ultimate rest in, in Christ in heaven, because this life, at times it'll be restful, at times it's going to be hard, right? But ultimately, we find true rest in Jesus, and we'll find eternal rest in him, when we trust in him. You trust in him now and you know his rest. Trust in him now and you'll know eternal rest.